Matthew 11, Jesus taught this. John, the guy who talked about Jesus and was the herald of Jesus, came neither eating nor drinking. And they said, he has a demon, the son of man, Jesus, came eating and drinking. And they said, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was willing to take on the label of being a drunk and a glutton, a friend of sinners, so that he could go into any place, any party, any town to tell them, I'm here for you. And one of the messages here at Whitewater is that God sent his son Jesus for you. Sometimes I think we can miss that. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to let the world know that he's come here for you and me. He he didn't care what the world labeled him. He didn't care the Pharisees and leaders. He didn't care about the people up that had the power and were the somebodies. He didn't care that he was labeled a, a, a friend of nobodies. And the biggest of nobodies. He didn't care because he came to tell us that he's here for us, that he loves us. He didn't care about the labels. I love that about Jesus. And I want you to know that Whitewater, we want this to be a place where you and your friends can come to find a place of belonging, where you can belong before you believe. You don't have to believe what I believe to come uh, belong, to build friendships and begin exploring faith. Our goal is to help you move step by step at your own pace in a spiritual journey towards Jesus and with Jesus. That's what we're all about here. So I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you prioritized this Sunday morning on this sunny summer day. And um, welcome to the summer party. We're, uh, I love that video right before I got in. My favorite part, two favorite parts, involves water. When the water is just splashing over the two at the pool. But the best one is like the look on the person's face when they get hit with the, with the water balloon. Just... Uh, I used to love doing that as a kid to others. How many of you guys were water balloon throwers? Oh, it's the best. Like summer of party in your face. Jesus loves you. Um, this is the summer of party, friends. And Jesus was willing to go into any party with the lowest of the low to tell them that he loved them. And this summer we're inviting people into that Jesus type of party. We've, we're throwing all sorts of parties. We've had a bunch already. We had a root beer tasting event. We had a 4th of July party. And then we got this El Huapo's Guac Off that's going to be really fun. I want to encourage you to go there and have some fun. Um, but we're challenging our church with these things. Uh, one is to go to two parties that the church throws. Go to two. Go to two of those. Commit to that and say, I'm going to go. If you're an introvert, you go and you can hang out on the sidelines and meet some other introverts and, um, and go to two and, and meet people. Meet somebody. We've talked about meeting people of peace, living a life that's unexpected. Maybe some of you showing up at a guacamole party is the like, last thing anybody would expect. Do it. Show up. Go to two parties. Commit to that. And then the other is, is commit to going to, uh, excuse me, commit to throwing one party. Uh, with a community group. And our community groups are throwing uh, parties for the, a block party for their neighbors or for friends. And join one of our community groups. The way you do that, if you're not in one yet, is just uh, fill out the connection card, say you're interested, and you'll get connected. You'll have someone call you and get you connected to a group so you can do that. And the last thing, everyone, I, I just want us to be inviters. Invite people into the life of Jesus. Invite them into the, to the parties. Invite them um, here on Sunday. Invite people in so they can meet the real Jesus, the one who said, I'm here for you. Amen? In the same passage that Jesus is taking on um, labels for hanging out with sinners, 
the uh, same passage where he is at work doing his father's work, doing all this ministry, Jesus also teaches this in verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Anybody weary and burdened in this room? It's summer. Come on now. Anybody weary? Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Not just some of you, not just the rich ones, not just the ones who have all your life together, not the ones who just like are all excited to be all around me, all, even you who, who don't know what you think about me yet, even you who maybe don't like my followers yet, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't the word rest just sound good? And you guys hear that word and you're like, rest. Sounds amazing. I love that word. Rest. Jesus will give you rest. In verse 29, take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. We live in a world that wants to have us believe this narrative, this story. You are born, you live, and then you die, and there's nothing. The narrative that the scriptures teach us, the narrative of the Judeo-Christian community is that we are born, we live, we die, but that we are unending spiritual beings, that we go on for eternity, that death is not the end, and that we are either choosing to move toward God or away from Him. Some of you guys might think, like, well, I would never want to serve or love a God who forces me to love Him, who says, you, are, you have to be with me. God says, I never force anyone to, to be with me. And so our lives, this side of, of heaven is really determining the direction of our life. Do we want to be with the source and the energy of, and, and the creator of life? Or do we want to move away from him? And he would never force you to be with him. If you choose to say, I don't want to be with you, and even if that's for eternity, I want to do my own thing, uh, God, the source of all life, says, okay, you can head that way. And those of us who turn, no matter who we are or where we are and what situation, what our past is, if we turn to connect with the source of all life, and begin to move our hearts toward him. That is an eternal destination. You and I are eternal, unending spiritual beings. No matter what the world might say. No matter how you might feel about yourself. Like you are a piece of eternity. And God loves you. But we get tired, don't we? We get weary. I love that Jesus seems like, come to me, all you who are weary. Come take rest. Come take my yoke and learn from me. We're to learn from Jesus. You guys remember a few weeks ago, we've been in this series, you know, Summer of Parting. We've been talking about uh, parting and building relationships and getting out there and meeting people and doing the Jesus life thing. But, but we can't do it. We can't build all these relationships, um, life-giving relationships, without life-giving rest. And so today is a focus on like breathing in, resting, learning from Jesus on how we actually rest. Are some of you guys excited about this? Glad we're doing this? Okay, good. There's a few of us here. All right. Um, rest. And if you guys remember a few weeks ago, we talked about resting in God and trusting Him for the rest. Resting in God. So what does that look like? First off, I just wanted to make a note of this, um, I think, I don't know if it's American, I'm wondering if it is, because a lot of Americans I talk to have this story. When you say, how are you doing? How's life? Um, most of the people I talk to give me this answer, I'm super busy. I'm really busy. Have, you got, have anybody else found this to be true? I'm so busy right now, I've got this and this and this, and I'm busy here and I'm busy there, and I'm like, I gotta go because I'm busy. 
Like that word, I'm busy. It's just, it's like we all got this busy badge. And if you don't say, it's like this, almost this thing of pride. If you're not busy, like what the heck are you doing? Like, are you even American? Because you got to be busy. We got to wear the busy badge. I was talking with a guy after the last service who was talking about the busy badge. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually in a season of busyness. And it's not wrong to like be working hard and getting after it. And there are seasons of busyness for sure. But so many of us have worn ourselves into the ground that we, I think we've almost become addicted to being busy. And it's like, the, I'm proud because I got this busy badge on. And I'm busy here. And I'm your pastor. And I'm busy right now. I've been like the worst at being busy the, this last month. And now's the time for me to take a break and have some rest. But I'm like, I get addicted to this. And I think people do too. Like our adrenal glands are pumping so much adrenaline in when we're like, like I need to be doing something. Here's what I need to do. And then all of a sudden we jumpstart and we got to get busy. And like adrenaline comes and we, we get addicted to that. We need that in our life. And where else in our, like in life is it okay for people to brag about this like busy thing? If you were to put it in the, in the actual terms of what it is, like would we brag and say like, you know, if someone asks you like, how are you doing? You're like, I'm totally unhealthy and driving myself and my family in the ground. It's just awesome. Are you driving your family and your health into the ground? What? No? Like, would we, would we brag if someone's like, how are you doing? I'm driving myself into, the, into an early grave. I'm dying, and it's amazing. Like, but we live in this culture where, like, that's the thing. I, um, I have this cell phone. It's an iPhone. How many of you guys are iPhone users? How many of you guys are any other brand? Because I, I think it's like that. Okay, a few of you from the other tribe. You're going to probably try to convince me to go to Samsung or something after this. So with my phone, um, I have this pattern where I like, I'm like, I use this for work. I use this for ministry. I'm using this for like for, to make phone calls, text, uh, email, uh, do, do a lot of work on like a lot of life is done in and through this thing. Like almost like where I kind of get mad at it. I'm like, do you really want to, do you control my life? You stupid phone. But what I, what I get in the pattern of doing is like, I, I, I work on this all day and it's about eight hours of life and energy in this thing. And then you're supposed to plug it in. And, uh, but at, at right now in the seasonal life, I'm in my wife, um, will put, and I will put novella down for bed, which means we also put Sarah down for bed because she's pregnant. She's like super tired. Some of you guys might have seen that. If you were wondering, she is pregnant. It's okay to ask her that. Um, <laughs> you're like, what's going on there? She's pregnant. And, uh, so she goes to bed really early with novella. So it's like three 30, they're in bed. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I got the rest of the evening to read books, watch a TV show. And so when I do that, I often forget to plug, the, plug this thing in, to recharge it. So in the morning when I wake up, I open this thing up and I've got to start my day. And I'm like, crap, it's like barely green. And then it goes, doot, doot, and it's like 20%. Have you guys ever had that happen? And I've got the rest of the day. I don't got time to charge this thing. I got to get going. And so like I get going, I start my first phone call or I start getting some text done, whatever. And all of a sudden, doot, doot, it's like 10%, which was way faster than it should have been to drain another 10%. And I'm like, dang it. And so like I set it to the side or I, I charge it with my weak sauce, like phone, uh, car phone charger, which is like a trickle charge or it's, I feel like it's absorbing the energy. And then all of a sudden I look down and it's like 2%. This thing's almost done. Then I get in the most important conversation of the day. It's like 11. And I'm about to say the most important, crucial, you know, sentence in this conversation. And then it's totally shut down. No energy, dead. And I'm just like, nah, I want to throw this thing out the window because I didn't charge this thing. I think so many people are wandering around like a, 
an uncharged cell phone, just running on 20%, running on 10%, running on 2%, acting like they're not, like, you know, really quick little charges and back out really quick little charge, but they're not like filling up and they're wandering, wandering around exhausted, needing rest. And Jesus offers rest. And what I want to talk to you about the rest of this talk is if, if Jesus says, learn from me and I'll give you rest for your soul, like soul rest, not just temporary little bit, like soul rest. Let's learn the rhythms and the movements of Jesus so that we can actually like fill up and rest, okay? So that's what this is going to be about. It's really simple, really practical. But here's the four movements that you need to know that Jesus teaches. Look up, look in, look with, and look out. You might want to take notes on this if you have them. Look up, look in. Look with and look out. Luke chapter 6 says this. It says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent all night in prayer to God. This is Jesus. He went out to a mountain and prayed. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples, all these people, and then he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles as leaders. So he chose his leadership community, his people he was going to do life with. And then uh, jumping to verse 17, it says, After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd and his his disciples and a great number of people. Verse 18, They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. I think this is so powerful for Jesus to have power coming through his life. He had chosen to come and, and, and be revealed to our world as, as a broken, in our, in our broken humanness, in our broken world. He was human. He moved into the na- neighborhood to be flesh and blood amongst us. He wasn't just this ethereal God. He came in dirt in the muck of our lives. And Jesus was was fully human, but he's also fully God. In this powerful moment, power's coming out of him. But for him to do that, if we look at the beginning, he had to spend time charging up, spend time with God. And so the first thing, the first rhythm, the first movement, if we want to have life, uh, a life that's powerful, but a life that also has rest in it, we have to look up. We have to look up. Luke 6, 12 says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. He had to get out. He had to get away. Like, this should make us feel a little bit better um, that Jesus had to get away from the crowds. He had to get away from... Like, he's the Son of God. And if he had to get away, like, for any of those introverts that are like, I need to feel like I need to get away all the time. Like, you're in good company. Jesus knew he needed to get away. He had to get out. He had to get away. Um, when do you get away? Where do you go to get away? There might be some moms in here with their families and you're taking care of everything and you're like, amen, we need to get away. Where do you go? When do you go to get away? Like, when do you do it? Um, I think... Like daily, I think we have to have rhythms of this. Daily we need to like get away for a little bit. Like clear our minds, clear our hearts, and look up. I think weekly we need to get away. Like maybe today is your day to like get away from like the craziness of life and all the stuff you read on the news and social media and all the stuff with work and life and family and pressure and weariness that we pick up and just breathe for a second and look up. 
Maybe this is that weekly time where you do that and you kind of recharge. I think we need to have monthly times where we do that. We get away and get out of the normal rhythm and just break out. Get away so that we can look up. I think yearly, like annually, like some of you guys like need to take a vacation and get out, get away so you can look up. I was talking with Michael, our worship pastor, to tell me about a show he watched. And there were these scientists who love looking at the stars. And they were making some observations about our culture. That, like, their whole job is designed around looking up and looking at the stars and looking at, at these amazing um, realities in our world that we are so small and so insignificant. And there are these, like, galaxies and worlds that are out there. And, um, but our, our world, people are looking up less and less. That in our world, there's so much light pollution in cities. You know, whether you're in Seattle or Tacoma or like just cities in general, like the, 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 the stars are becoming harder and harder to see. And people are looking up less and less because there's so much light pollution. And for the Christian, when we look up and see the stars, we're reminded like, wow, that came from, there's like a source of all life and energy and creative love that's made all this. It didn't just come from nothing, it was made. And there's a creator, the source of all life that we are designed to connect to. And there are so many Christians living powerless, loveless, grinded out lives because they haven't been reminded to look up and see not just the stars, but to be reminded of the creator of the stars. And in our world, uh, the, the scientists have even noticed that the cities have, are, have if you are it, from space to look back at the world at the globe, at the planet we live in, that the planet looks like it's stars because now there's so much light pollution. We have created a world where we do not need stars, where we don't need to look up anymore. There's so many people looking at their own light all the time that we never look up. And what I want to ask us today to do is to look up. Jesus got away. He went to a mountain. And he looked up and he connected with his father, the life-giving relationship with the life-giving source of all life. If you, you don't even have to be a Christian to recognize if there is a God and if this might be true, that if we were disconnected from the source of all life, you're not going to go very far with your life. You're not going to have much fulfillment. You're going to be running on empty all the time. It's time to plug in. It's time to get away. It's time to look up. It's time to look up. Some of you guys are like, I don't have time for that. Make time. But seriously, I'm busy. Don't you see the busy badge I'm wearing? I'm busy. I'm doing ministry. I'm doing good things. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working for my, so I can put food on the table for my family. I've got lots of things going on. I'm solving problems. I'm busy. I've got the busy badge. Make time. Quit looking down. Look up. Jesus looked up. And then we need to look in. You might want to take note of this. You've got to look in. Look in. When I say that, when I'm talking about looking in, I'm, I'm talking about looking at your life honestly. Self-reflection. Who are you? Where are you headed? In Psalms 139, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns, my worries, 
my anxieties, and see if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's anything wrong in the way I'm doing things. Look at my heart and then lead me in the everlasting way. Uh, Gordon McDonald was the one I heard say this. He said, most people live unexamined lives. Like we don't stop and reflect. We haven't stopped and looked up at the stars. We haven't stopped and looked up at God and connected with him and, 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 and trusted him and got rest and energy and life from him and got perspective on this little tiny planet in this huge universe with this little tiny life that lasts maybe 80, 90 years in the grand scheme of eternity isn't a whole lot of time. Do we ever reflect on yesterday? Do we ever reflect on our own hearts to say, Lord, how, are, how am I doing with my motives? Do we ever check our motives? The reasoning for why we're doing what we're doing. Did I give to that person? Did I help that person? Did I treat the, my kids and my neighbors this way for the right or wrong reasons? Most of us are living unexamined lives. We're not examining, we're not checking our priorities. If I say this is my priority, if I say God is my priority, am I ever looking up? If I say my family is my priority, am I ever loving them and spending time with them? If I say this is my priority and this is my priority, does my life reflect that? Sometimes we have to look in, and it's hard sometimes. Like, sometimes I think our busyness and the reason we're always looking down and we're all, we got the busy badge going is because we want to avoid the reality of our lives. Is there anybody here from a family? Is there anybody here that might just maybe be avoiding the hard stuff? And that's why you're so busy, if you were honest. Busy, busy, busy. Man, I want to tell you, look in. Lord, search my heart. Search my life. What are my motives? What are my priorities? What are my actual energy levels? Maybe you could be so used to running on 20%, 10%, 2%, just over and over, just going from thing to thing to thing, that you don't know that you are burning yourself out. You don't know that, like, you are wearing yourself and wearing others around you. Rick Warren says, you know, when you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. You need to look in and check what's going on inside. I don't need to rest, you might say. You need to rest. No, 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 I'm okay. I can keep going. You need to rest. Look in. Look up. Rest. Some of you are like, oh, this is just a normal pace. Everybody else is at this pace. Everybody I know at my work's at this pace. And, and the question is, do you trust that God can do more with your life where you take time to give to him and time, talent, treasure to give to him and trust him, that God can do more with a life that's connected to him than a life that's just running around crazy like a chicken with, with its head cut off. Because when you are going at 2%, 10%, 20%, over and over and over and over, and you're just running on that, running on empty, and you're like, well, everybody's doing this. Is, this is the norm. You're saying that the norm for the world is better than the abnormal with God. You're saying that your life without him is stronger than with him. And I don't think we realize that we're saying that when we're doing that. And most of us would be like, no, 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 I don't believe that. But belief is demonstrated by what you do and how you live. No, 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 I look up. I care about God. I look up. I pay attention to the things that really matter. And that's what, that's what God sees. Look in. Next piece is looking with. 
look with. Luke 6, 12 says this. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles, leaders. Leaders. Who are the people in your life that you're doing life with, that you trust? Jesus went and prayed and he asked God, Lord, who am I going to choose to help lead this whole thing, to do life with that I can trust? And then he chose the 12 out of all these people. Because even Jesus needed to do life with someone. Even Jesus needed to take some time to look up, look in, and look with. And these are the people that he not only did life with, that he taught, that he loved, but he did ministry with. And the next piece is look out. He looked out with them and he served people. And this should make us feel a little bit better, right? Like, because Jesus went and prayed. He spent time with the Lord. He's the Son of God. And then he chose these 12. And the 12 that he surrounded himself with, I mean, it wasn't like they were like these stellar, amazing people all the time. They were good people. But come on, let's be honest. Peter was always like ready to hack someone's ear off, jump out of a boat without thinking. Um, He was always, you know, quick to answer, slow to think. Had the sons of thunder like we talked last year, last week, and they, you know, they were looking at the, they got rejected, you know, from a city, and they got so angry, they're like, Lord, burn that city. You know, they had some tempers, just like, all right, the sons of thunder at it again, you know. Should make us feel a little bit better, you know, even, even Jesus had people around him that he chose to be the closest that didn't have it all together, but he still loved them, and they eventually figured it out. Who do you have in your life? that loves you and speaks truth to you? Who do you have, even outside your, your, your husband or your wife? Like, we need, like Jesus, a community of people that we trust. Who do you call when, like, like you don't know how to figure things out? Who are you going to call at three in the morning because you've got this issue and you don't know how to solve it? Who's going to actually show up and help you when you go through the, through the death in the family, when you go through miscarriage? When you go through hardship, who's going to be with you and be present? I can't tell you how many people have been with me and Sarah through thick and thin. I couldn't imagine doing life without people who love and trust God and want to help me love and trust God. That's what our communities are all about. If you're not in one, that's, the, that's what they're about. Yeah, we want to learn Bible. Yeah, we want to go serve. Yeah, we want to do all these things. But it's about this life of connection a community that helps hold each other accountable and supports each other. And we're present when we're going through the darkest of times. We need to look with. Who are you doing life with? After coming down with them, it says in verse 17, Jesus was with this community that he was going to serve with. There's a guy, a guy I just met recently in our church, and I don't, I don't know if um, he might have other people to do life with, but I was like, this is a guy to do life with. His name's Michael. Some of you guys might know him. He's, he's newish here. And I know that he's trustworthy because in, uh, I was teaching this class, our journey class. Phenomenal. We had a great group of people. Before we started the class, he came up to me. He had his cell phone. And he's, and he's like, hey, there's a text for you on this. I'm like, a text for me on your phone? And I read it and it said, your fly is down. <laughs> and some people might have been like, how dare you? I'm the pastor. I will it it is not true but I was like so appreciative like this is a man who who cared enough to tell me I looked at all these other people and I again I was just like did any of you other people notice my fly was down oh yeah we all know why didn't you say anything you're terrible friends what a terrible community but I like the Michaels of the world who are willing to tell you the truth man 
How about you? Do you have someone like that in your life? Another community I, ha- I have that I trust is my family. My family is actually here this weekend, and uh, we, we got the joy of helping my dad build some stairs. So we had to pour a bunch of, I mean, big honking stairs. I mean, 80-pound bags of cement. Like, t- just all these bags of cement, just putting them in the, in the spinner, you know, and getting the cement mixed and poured, and, and then pouring it and wheelbarrowing it over, and then lifting bag upon bag here and there. 80-pound bags. I mean, just, we were wearing our, me and Aaron and Evan, Aaron's my brother-in-law, Evan's my brother, my dad, he's my dad, and we were working together, and... Um, just pouring these things, just getting exhausted. And my sister, who she's a hard worker, likes to help. And she was sitting on the, on, the, on the swing telling us where to put things and <laughs> looking over at my mom saying, Mama, get him some tea. No, she wasn't doing that. But uh, my, my mom and her would bring us like cold drink after about half an hour, hour of working in the sun yesterday. And we're tired and just that cool tea, you're sweating, hitting your lips. The, oh, it was so refreshing. And that's my community, like we serve, in, like my family, like that's not my only community, but that's part of my community. And I've got friends here that are part of my close community that I serve with. And you need those people because they, they, they give rest to you. That cold cup of water, that was rest, man, that helped. And like we need rhythms of rest in our life, don't we, that are healthy? The last thing is with that community, the people you look to do life with, you have to look out, you have to look out. In Luke 6... Uh, it says this in verse 17, after coming down with them, with his community, the ones he does life with, the ones that support him, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people. And in verse 18, they came, near, they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. People came to Jesus to hear from him and to be healed by him. To be made well. And it says that the whole crowd was trying to touch him. Like Jesus was so powerful and his message was so powerful. And his love was so powerful that people had to be around him. And it says they were around him trying to touch him because power was coming out from him. And healing them all. I I want us to recognize this. If we live a life in connection where you are looking up and you are resting in God and you are looking within and you're getting things right and you're asking God to look and, and actually examine your life and align your life around him and you're looking to do life with people that when you go out to look out and serve others with your community, like the ones you trust, when you go to serve others, power will come out of you. But it's not from you. It's from God. It's going through you. Amen? How many of you guys want to live a life that has power to it? That has meaning? You can look back your 80 years, your 90 years, say, man, that was a ride. God used me. There was power coming from my life. See, that power like isn't just attributed for the Christian. It's not attributed to some like impersonal universe or something. Because we are not impersonal beings. We reflect a creator that wants a personal relationship, that gives life through that relationship. That the source of life is turned toward, like our source of life is turned toward the source of life. The creator. And when we're disconnected and we're running from him, we're slowly, like the cell phone, going down from 39 to 20 to 10 to 2%. 
And someday our life is going to be over. Have we ever turned our life to get connected with the Creator so that we have eternal life with Him? Not running from Him, having less and less and less humanity. Less and less rest. The harder you work away from God, the more tired you are. The more you work with Him, the more power. You do get depleted, but man, you get filled up. And here's something I I think is really true that you have to get. You have to get this. Many of us Christians, listen up here. Many of us are exhausted And many of us are tired and we're weary and we're burdened and we think it's because we're doing too much. But I wonder if the problem might be not that we're doing too much, but that we haven't been looking up. That we haven't been looking up, that we haven't been looking to God, that we haven't been reconnecting with Him and recharging, being filled up. Because we, like, here's my thing. If you, if you go from not working, from working to like not working and doing nothing and you're just sitting around some of you guys like, that sounds amazing. Over time, you just get restless because you're not living with a greater purpose. You're not doing what you were designed to do. And there's something in us that wants to make an impact. See, we're designed to be connecting with God. We got to look up. We got to quit looking down at these lights. There's too much light pollution or maybe too much life pollution, too much noise pollution in our life that's distracting us from looking up, making time for it. And I hear so many, you know, especially Christians, so many people who are just like, yeah, you know, I'm so busy. I'm just too busy. I don't have time. You got to make time, friends. You got to make time. You got to do it. Like, what are you going to commit to doing today to look up and say, God, fill me up? You, what are you going to do? So we can leave this, leave this building today and just be like, oh, that was a great message. So cool. Felt like filled up by it. That's great. But like, I can't fill you up. Everybody in this building can't just fill you. you there, are, there are moments in our life we have to realize I am responsible for my spiritual growth. I can't point at other people or other churches. I have to take responsibility. I have to make the decision. I have to do something. And just look up. Do it. Oh, life's so crazy busy. What am I going to make time? You make time for everything else in your life. Well, no, no, life's a stream, and it's just so busy, it's flowing, and I can't keep up, and it's just, it's just moving me around, and I can't stop. You have to grab onto something and stop. Because you are letting everything else be more important than the most important thing. Look up, and look in, look with, and then look out. Then you do it again. Look up, and you look in, and you look with, and then you look out. And when you know what you do, you do it again. And this is the Jesus pattern. This keeps us going, forgiven and freed and empowered all by grace, by God's love. Does that sound like a life you want? That's what I want for you, friends. Some of you might say, well, how do I pray? I want to leave you with this simple thing. Well, how do I pray? Like, I don't know how to connect with God when I look up. What do I do? And I, I do this simple, this is my simple prayer. And I try to do this daily or every other day. I just try to have this as a rhythm in my life. This is really simple. I use the acrostic pray. P stands for praise. God, I want to praise you for this. I want to pr- thank you for, um, on Mondays, I'll thank him for like how awesome church was. And I got to pray with these people. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for all you do. I just want to lift you up and praise you. You are the creator, God. You are the source of all life. And I remind myself of the character and goodness of God. Because in our world, we forget how good God is really quick. Sometimes we can walk out this building and the world just jumps on us. All the life pollution comes in and we stop looking at the stars. So I praise him. P, 
are is repent. Lord, would you forgive me? Help me with my heart. Like I've messed up here, here, and here. Reveal to me where I've messed up and I repent. I turn from it. And then A stands for ask. I ask God and I request and I ask him to heal, help, and give hope. And I just ask him for all sorts of things because he's my heavenly father. He cares. He wants to hear from me. So I just begin asking him. Um, And then I end with uh, the letter Y, which stands for yield. Yield. And I say, God, not my way, your way. Not my plans, your plans. God, I want to do what you've asked me to do. If you ask me to commit some time to you and look up, Lord, I'm going to do it. And here's how I'm going to do it. And I come up with a plan. P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. It's that simple for me. I mean, there's all sorts of ways. You can do it any, any way you want. But take time and look up. Amen? Friends, this is what the life of Jesus looks like. This gives you power for when you've got to go serve. This gives you power when you're in community and you've got to be patient with people. This is what, what we need. And many of us are living like, oh, I've got community and I've got mission, but you don't look in and you don't look up. Some of you guys are looking up, like you're just looking up all the time, and you're looking in, but you never go do anything. you got to get out and go, you got to get off the wall for a little while and go do what you were designed to do and then come back. You with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Would you give us the ability, Lord, to live in these rhythms of rest, to learn from you, to look up, with all our hearts, Lord, to look up, to look in what's really going on and to be willing to change and to look with. Who are we going to do life with and to do life with them and be loyal and to be loving and to be faithful and to serve with them so that we can look out and serve the world who are looking for words of encouragement, words of life, words of, um, of love, looking to be healed, looking for power to come, come out of our lives, Lord. And I pray that people would leave here and they would leave with lives of, full of power. Not just words, but words of life, of life of power. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you in these next songs. Um, if you're hurting and need healing, you're facing hard decisions, or you're wanting and you're needing rest for really anything, to come receive prayer in the back. I'm going to be in the back with some other uh, people. There's, there's a gal if you need a gal to pray with you. Receive prayer. The James teaches us to confess to one another and to pray for one another so that we might be healed. Don't, don't leave today if you're feeling, man, I, I could use some prayer. Like That's how we serve one another. That's one way of resting is receiving that from your community, your faith community. So receive prayer. Come to me or um, one of the gals in the back and let us pray with you. Um, let's sing this next song.